Good morning, everybody. We have another week of SEC football to talk about because we had more than just an SEC championship game this last weekend. We'll touch on that later. But we're in the thick of one of the most intriguing coaching searches we've seen in a while in the SEC. It's complicated. It seems like it's moving 100 miles an hour, and we're going to get to the bottom of it as best as we can with two of the best reporters in the SEC and two guys that, frankly, in my in my humble opinion, uh, have been on top of this story like nobody else in the country, and that would be John Talty over on my right here and Matt Zenitz on the bottom of your screen. Guys, first of all, let me just uh, give you a digital pat on the back for the work that you've been doing on this story. It, it is... I mean, it's been a while since since I've been involved in coverage of a coaching search because I'm here in the state of Alabama. But this is one of the wildest that I've ever that I've ever observed, even. And and you guys are really keeping up beat for beat, and you're not and you're not throwing trash out there. When when John Talty and Matt Zenitz give you a scoop, it's it's nutritious. It's got good information in it. So congrats to both of you on how you've handled it so far. Thank you for gassing us up. We need that. <laughs> I'm your hype man over here. So let's so yeah. let's get into it. Yeah, let, let's let's get into it a little bit here. Uh, it, you know, it's been a busy 48 hours in particular, and I think if if you're somebody who maybe hasn't been tuned in the last couple of days, a lot has passed you by. Can can John? Can you start us off by giving us kind of a a brief. <laughs> A, a brief listing of some of the names that have sort of passed through the, this coaching search and maybe where things stand right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it has been a busy 48 hours. I also think, and we can get into this later, but we've also hit into kind of peak spin zone time in which, you know, everyone involved in this search is spinning things different ways. And so there's going to be a lot of different, different stories coming out of every different experience. But I would say, you know, really dating back to, to Sunday on, you, know, you had Steve Sarkeesian expected to interview for the Alabama job, for the Auburn job. Uh, that ultimately doesn't happen. You have Billy Napier, you know, quickly kind of emerging as uh, the, the top candidate on Monday morning. Um, he'd always been kind of a secondary candidate behind Kevin Steele, who people really liked. Uh, people thought that he might be the guy Ultimately, that doesn't happen, um, and he pulls himself out of consideration. Uh, at that point, attention turns to UAB head coach Bill Clark. Uh, you get a couple hours worth of people talking about Clark as possibly the next head coach. Uh, that ultimately, um, for most most likely, ends uh, Monday night. Um, no kind of conclusion there for uh, Bill Clark being the next head coach. Um, they're moving different directions. So now we're Tuesday morning, uh, and things are kind of spinning up again. Uh, you're now seeing uh, Clemson defensive coordinator Brent Venables' name get mentioned. Uh, Matt and I reported yesterday that, that Venables had talked to Auburn on Monday. Uh, the feeling was that Venables would likely stay at Clemson. Uh, he's been there a long time now under Dadwell Swinney. He's making a lot of money, $2.4 million a year. And maybe most importantly, two of his sons currently play in Clemson. And so it seems like maybe in part just because there aren't that many candidates left, that the attention has turned to Brent Venables at this point. But again, as we reported yesterday, uh, the feeling after Auburn had talked to him on Monday was that he would likely stay uh, at Clemson. So so I, I want to turn to kind of the perception that's going on here um, regarding this search. I, I think there's a lot, of, like you said, John, 
there's a lot of spin involved at this point in the process. I think one of the questions that that people have who are looking at this both from within the Auburn fan base and outside of it is, you know, we're talking about guys from Sunbelt and Conference USA programs. We're talking about coordinators um, from Power Five programs who you would think this would be a a vertical move for any of those guys. We're not we're not talking about a situation here where Auburn's swinging big at Power Five head coaches and missing. Th- these are guys for whom this would very clearly be a move up the ladder, not ending up taking the job. Um, and, and there's plenty of debate over whose decision that is. But Matt, can you kind of help us clear up maybe why some of these candidates are not working out? What, what's the feeling right now in terms of why they have not been able to lock in on anybody yet? Well, there hasn't been a consensus, first of all, behind the scenes on who the uh, ideal candidate would, candidate would be. Candidate would be. It would be. So in influential positions who have been very much supportive of Kevin as a, a top candidate and have wanted him to, to be the guy while there have been others like school president and and others involved in that, including Alan Green, who have wanted more of a thorough search and then to go along with that, people involved in that process that just were outright against Kevin in terms of him being as hired as the head coach. And and I think that's been continued to be the case throughout the course of this process in terms of other guys to go along with that, including Bill Clark. So Bill Clark, obviously well-respected in the, the coaching world based on the work that he's done at UAB. But at the same time, as John and I mentioned in what we put out yesterday, that there were people in influential positions with, with Auburn, some of those uh, – booster figures who at the same time were not as enthusiastic about the the prospect of Bill Clark being the, the next Auburn head coach. So to, to be clear in terms of some of this, they, there have been candidates like Billy Napier who was offered the job and turned it down because based on how it was worded to me by uh, someone who has, has a feel for, for Billy's thinking related to that, that, that Billy has a, a certain set of criteria that he's looking for in terms of his next opportunity. And there, there were elements of this that, that didn't meet some of that important criteria. At the same time with the Bill Clark, Bill Clark was not offered the job. He did not turn down Auburn. Things just have progressed in a way where it looks unlikely that, that Bill Clark is ultimately going to be the, the next Auburn head coach. And then to circle back on Steve Sarkeesian also, the expectation was that they, they were going to get an interview from him this past Sunday and that they were definitely interested in having discussion with him. He was somebody who throughout the course of this entire process had been mentioned as one of the names most of interest to them to go along with the Kevin Steeles and Billy, Billy Napiers of the world. But at the same time, based on what I've heard, uh, that there were some influential people from an Alabama perspective that had some conversations on Friday with him and were able to successfully kill that interview. Interesting stuff on the Alabama side of it. We'll definitely get into that a little bit more uh, later in the show. Before before we do, though, I, I want to back up a little bit and zoom out on this search because, again, I, as I mentioned, you guys have really been um, incredibly tapped in on this story. You, you've been beat for beat with it as it develops. And I want to kind of peek behind the curtain a, a little bit on this and and talk to you guys about what you've sort of been seeing as you report this out. And obviously 
your reporters, I'm not going to ask you to, to, to reveal uh, how, how any of your tricks are done here. But I, but John, I, give me kind of some perspective because you're a guy who's been covering the SEC for a long time. But you have this is your first time covering a coaching search at Auburn specifically. Um, I'm curious kind of what it's shown you or, or sort of how it has uh, informed your view of how things work. I think Auburn's always had this reputation nationally as, as a school where there are highly influential boosters that get involved in important decisions. But what's been your perspective? And I guess have, has any of it surprised you how this has played out behind the scenes? Yes and no. I'll tell you this, you know, right after, uh, you know, Gus was fired, I talked to a really good industry source and that person told me the number one question uh, with Auburn is going to be who is making this hire. And for most schools, that answer is the AD or it's the president. It's usually one or the other. Usually it's the AD makes the hire and he makes the recommendation to the president and the president, you know, stamps it and it's done. But the fact that was even a question, I think, shows why Auburn is a little unique. Uh, people knew that there were going to be some challenges, you know, with this search. Another person I talked to said the biggest issue with Auburn is that there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And what you've seen, um, I think, play out over these, you know, last since they fired him on Sunday, you know, we're on day nine now. What you've seen are just a lot of people trying to get in the mix uh, to get what they want. And so you've seen, I think, you know, Zen is a kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, you've seen kind of basically people develop into you know, what I call camps. You know, you've got the pro-steel camp and then you've got the anti-steel camp. And I can tell you on both sides of that are very powerful people. And so typically you hope to try to get everybody aligned. Uh, that's the key to, I think, any real major search for a football coach or a basketball coach is trying to get everybody aligned as best as possible. That's always challenging. At every school, there's going to be people pulling in different ways. But I think at Auburn, it's more pronounced. And I think what's also interesting about this one is that, again, as we reported yesterday, uh, Kevin Steele is not completely out of this search. You know, I saw there are a bunch of reports that Steele was out. People that I talked to, again, said that he is not out of it, and there are still people pushing for him. So maybe in a normal situation, you make a push for a guy, he gets shut down, and that's – and that's it. Um, but with Auburn, you can see you continue to see people push uh, for. Got some breaking news here. Um, Brent Venables, uh, Pete Thamel was reporting uh, cross Brent Venables off the list um, again. As we first reported yesterday, uh, Brent Venables was expected to stay at Clemson. Um, so just. Check off another guy from the list if you want. A um, little breaking news uh, on this live stream podcast. You'll probably already know it by the time you listen to this. But uh, check off another guy. And, again, you know, not to toot our own horn here, but I think we were ahead of the curve on that Venables one too, which a lot of people were pushing today. You, you were, John. I, I, I appreciate you breaking in with that with that information, though. That's, that's, that's the nature of doing a live show like this is sometimes you're going to hear that while we're talking. And, and sometimes – John and Matt's phones are going to blow up in the middle of one of these shows and they're going to take off without explanation. And we're, we're understanding of that if it needs to happen. So uh, let, let me, um, let, let me move just before we move on from the Auburn coaching search aspect of, of our show today, Matt, you, you talked a little bit about some of these guys 
in, in specifically Steve Sarkeesian, but some of these other guys getting, uh, you know, sort of using this search as an opportunity to get raises for themselves. We already saw it with Mario Cristobal. That's part of the game. It's part of what happens here. But usually coaching searches end up resolving in a certain direction on, on a guy who, who does see this as a good opportunity. As we're and this this is I'm asking your opinion, your judgment on this a little bit more than than your reporting. But as we're starting to see this sort out and as this coaching search plays out, is it is it looking look, is it fair to say at this point that it's that that maybe Auburn timed this search poorly, that maybe this wasn't a great year to get into the coaching market just because of how how few schools have jumped out there on the market, how, how things have played out just in the overall atmosphere of college football? I don't know if I'd necessarily say that. The bigger thing I would say is that hasn't been handled well in terms of maybe the, the leadership behind the, the scenes, and that's been kind of exposed throughout the course of this process. And at this point, I think it's fair to say, and I'm sure John's gotten this on, on his end also, this is very much the, the talk of the – the college football coaching world at this point and not for the, the right reasons. Auburn is being talked about in a way that uh, that they probably would prefer to not be, be talked about in terms of uh, people within the industry and within the, this college football coaching world. And one particular text that I got last night from, from an SEC coach probably sums it up best that after the, the latest development with Bill Clark and after it started to, to become clear that, it was unlikely that he was going to end up at Auburn, sent me a text that, and I'll give you the, the censored version, uh, quote unquote, what the hell? And once again, that, that, that's the censored version of what the, the text actually was. Looking less and less likely every day, like Auburn is going to blow the roof off with this hire, but you never know till it's over with. It's, it's, uh, it's always exciting when, when coaching searches happen. Let's um, Eric, yeah, go, go ahead, John. Can you make one point here? Yeah, absolutely. So here, I'll, I'll just, this is something that Zenith has heard me say, but I'll just tell you something that I, I find interesting now that we're on day nine. I talked to a very good source, uh, I think it was Monday, maybe, maybe either Sunday night or Monday morning. And this person said, what's going to end up happening if we don't make a hire soon is that we're going to get stressed through this thing. We're going to have certain agents, and I won't say the name because they'll probably hunt me down, but there's an agent in particular that people know that we are going to get played by this guy. We're going to talk to his candidates. They're going to make a big show out of pulling out of consideration, and it's going to look like a total disaster. And then we may end up, we may end up hiring Kevin Steele at the end anyway, and we're going to look like idiots. And I'm not saying they are idiots, but that guy was pretty dead on so far because what's happening, again, this is such a perception and narrative battle because – some of this is true, some of it's not. There's all kinds of misinformation out there right now. But Auburn is being made to look very bad. You're already seeing the comparisons to Tennessee. And the longer this drags on, the worse that gets. And again, they have had Wednesday targeted as a while, uh, as the day they want to have the search ended. If it goes past that and goes through Christmas, you're looking at Monday maybe for a hire. And that's when everyone's talking about how this is one of the worst searches ever. So they are in a critical period right now, in which they need to have a hire done soon. But this is also upwards of a 10 to 15, maybe $20 million commitment. And you don't want to rush that. So yeah. the pressure is really, really cranking up. And like Zenit said, a lot of people are talking about this search right now. And they're not talking about it in positive ways. 
and this this is this is just living proof right here of why so often agents end up we'll say agent slash coaches when this this negotiating war when this stuff happens it's because all the schools think you're nothing without us but when the when the coaching searches start to happen boy that dynamic flips in a hurry and that's why guys like Gus Malzahn walk away from their jobs with 20 million dollar buyouts is because they they end up having the leverage when the school needs the coach you know it's it's tough um let's uh let's move on to uh the college football playoffs which was a it's a contentious issue of its own earlier this week at the bottom of the playoffs at least for that four spot really no debate at the top uh one of the one of the most boring <laughs> first three slots we've ever seen play out in the college football playoff. Everybody knew uh, that Alabama was going to have that one spot. Everybody knew Clemson was going to be there at number two. And I think right now, heading into these semifinals, there's so much anticipation and and belief right now that this is going to be an Alabama-Clemson national championship game to the point that, that Matt Zenitz on the Alabama side, we've got almost a three touchdown point spread in a college football playoff semifinal game. Um, what's, what's the, what's the feeling like so far around Tuscaloosa about this playoff field? And, and is, is there, is there sort of a narrative emerging at all that fr- from these Alabama players, from the coaches about the field that they're about to face? So just from my personal perspective, I just don't see Notre Dame matching up well to, to Alabama. I think that going into this, that, that there were obviously a clear top two in terms of Alabama and Clemson. And to, to me, just a clear top three in terms of talent as far as these teams with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then a drop-off after that in terms of teams that realistically could be competitive with the, the combination of these three teams. So whether it was – Notre Dame, Texas A&M, whoever, I, I just I, I would have had a hard time seeing any of those teams be legitimately competitive against the, the Alabama's, Clemson's, and maybe even Ohio State's of, of the world. So I, I would be very, very surprised if Notre Dame beat Alabama. I would be surprised if it was even a, a competitive game throughout, but I will throw out in terms of Notre Dame that they do have the, the Buckus Award winner. They have an offensive line that, that's one of three finalists for the, the Jim Moore Award. It's not like they're completely devoid of talent and obviously have a, a quarterback, Ian Book, who was mentioned a, as a Heisman Trophy contender throughout the course of the year also. But at the same time, uh, just got blown out by Clemson. It was a three-touchdown game, and I think it could be a similar outcome when they match up against Alabama also. And obviously things continue to move in a direction where it seems very realistic that this could be round four in terms of national championships with yeah. Alabama Clemson in the, the last six years. Well, uh, I, I, before I before I go to, to John for his take on this, one, one thing I do want to ask you about, Matt, um, is about the loss of Landon Dickerson, which was obviously a big blow and a big emotional moment in that SEC championship game. Your, your thoughts so far, just as a guy who knows this roster really well, about the impact of that and, and how they'll replace him. 
it's extremely significant. So I, obviously he isn't as big of a name on a national level as the Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris's of the world, but he, he's an all-American caliber player at a critical position, even if he's one that even if he's a guy that casual fans probably don't talk about on a, a regular basis. He, he has been the, the leader of one of the best offensive lines in recent college football history. And that is definitely a concern for Alabama going into the playoffs, losing a guy like that at center position, where no offense to, to Chris Owens, but you're going to have a drop off there in terms of, of talent at that spot. And once again, that's a, a critical position. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on how that goes, John. I I, I do want to ask you about the the playoff picture on a on a larger scale. I mean, I, I think we we kind of hear this every year from from our friends in the media, certainly from fans. This kind of outcry uh, about the the number four spot, and we hear the same response from the college football playoff committee and the conference commissioners, which is, "Hey, if we if we expanded it to eight, You'd all be complaining about who ended up at number nine. Do you do you sense that there's that that this is particularly a significant year um, in that discussion in that debate at all? If only because everybody's so mad and views this this Notre Dame selection as uh, so, so pointless. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think what's going to be interesting is that, you know, I think there's a couple more years left in the current deal. Um, certainly you're seeing the group of five leaders. Um, I think AAC commissioner uh, Mike Oresco in particular has probably been the most outspoken that this is just basically a rigged system and we never have a shot to make it in. It'll be interesting when they negotiate that next deal, uh, you know, whether there is any changes, whether you would think the group of five schools would certainly push to have, uh, you know, more teams included in it. I think we already know, you know, where SC Commissioner Greg Sankey stands, because I think he was the one who even said, you know, if we push it to eight, they'll just complain about who's number nine. I will say just in general, uh, I think if ever there was a year to have eight teams, I think this was the year to do it because it was so unprecedented. Uh, you had, you know, again, uneven schedule, some teams playing six games, some teams playing 11. It would have been fun to have, uh, a situation in which you did have eight teams, so you could have included a Texas A&M. You could have included maybe a Cincinnati or a Coastal Carolina, one of those other teams, and really get to see more teams play and see who really is the best team beyond just the look test that we saw to determine everything this year. Um, but, again, I think it's ultimately going to come down to what the power conferences want because that's who runs the show. And you've seen people like Sankey and others kind of come out and say, we like the system currently. So – I think there's been a lot of media speculation that eventually one day it'll end up as eight. Uh, and ultimately, if there's so much money involved uh, that it makes it worthwhile to go to eight, then maybe that will happen. But I think as of right now, some of the key players involved don't want that to happen. And usually they get what they want. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely not a situation where I think that there's a, a ton of motivation from the, the guys in charge um, to change how things work because they get what they want out of it for the most part. Uh, you know, like you said, I, I, I feel like if this is ever going to change, it's going to have to come from multiple power conferences pushing for change. And, you know, look, maybe the PAC 12 says we're sick of getting left out of this all the time. Maybe the big 12 gets frustrated with it. But for the most part, I mean, look, the ACC, and the Big Ten and the SEC are happy with how the playoffs work. And I think as long as that's the case, 
it's going to be it's going to be tough for anybody else's opinion to matter too much in how this thing works. Um, but but that said, let's let's just looking at this this what we all presume to be the two best teams in this playoff. Matt, as you said, it would be the fourth time that we've seen Alabama and Clemson in a national championship game facing off against each other. What's your feeling right now, having seen Alabama, obviously, a lot of the year, um, but also having watched Clemson in, in a couple of games, how these two teams would match up? Are we, is, there, is there a chance? I, I guess let me put it this way. I think a lot of Alabama fans will be worried uh, that this is going to be the same story that they saw in San Jose a couple of years ago. Is there, is there reason to believe that the matchup will be different? I think I think there are only a, a couple teams in the country that could uh, present a matchup weight with Alabama, where I would legitimately go into that game questioning whether that that team could could beat Alabama. There there aren't many teams that I, I would realistically give a chance going in. Clemson would obviously be one of those teams. It would it wouldn't just be slam dunk and a shock if they were competitive with Alabama. And Clemson, as seems to be the case every year, has continued to get better throughout the course of the season. Obviously, had a great performance against Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. And one of the big things they have working in their favor, they have arguably the, the best quarterback, arguably the best overall player in college football, and Trevor Lawrence, who's a generational-type player at most important position on the field. And it will be a very interesting matchup if, when, that does happen in terms of latest round of, of Alabama-Clemson in a, a national championship game. Pretty fascinating that that this is. I'm sure a lot of people are sick of it, but it's it it will be an era of college football that I think people look back on and say that was it was pretty incredible that that happened. Uh, this this sort of repeated heavyweight title fights between these two programs. And not be over either. Both of them, in terms of Alabama and Clemson, have some very good young quarterbacks yep. who. Apparently in backup positions, but uh, seem like they're in line to be very good players also. So who knows? We might get Alabama-Clemson round five, Alabama-Clemson round six. Maybe get up to Alabama-Clemson round eight, ten, twelve by by the time it's all said and done. You do, you're doing the LeBron James. Not continue. one, not two. Yeah. Well, uh, we will we will definitely be keeping you guys apprised of uh, everything that develops as far as Alabama getting ready for the college football playoffs. We'll, we will be keeping you posted on the Auburn coaching search. Definitely, if you are not already following John Talty and Matt Zenitz on your social media platform of choice, particularly Twitter, get on it. Uh, they're going to keep you up to up to the second posted on good information about this coaching search. And uh, guys, I guess in the meantime, let me let me leave us off with with just a quick uh your your one one more candidate throwing his name in the ring for this Auburn coaching search Anthony Schwartz wide receiver at Auburn says he took Auburn to a 14 and 0 season on NCAA so he should get an interview uh at at this point i mean you, you, we're talking about somebody we, we need to get some offensive energy into this Auburn program uh does is Anthony Schwartz is Anthony Schwartz uh a viable candidate at this point who knows? I mean, <laughs> I will say, I, I think if you aren't already also following Anthony Schwartz, it's worth yeah, because he is reacting in real time to every Auburn coaching program. And it's very amusing just to see him. He was obviously, I think when we put out something about Sark interviewing, he was into that. I don't think he was into Bill Clark based on some of the tweets. You can read through his uh, 
his tweets to see how he feels about every job. He candidate. definitely seems to be favoring offensive coaches, uh, understandably. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll – hey, uh, I would not be surprised at this point. To actually add a serious point to this, I would yeah. not be surprised at this point if – I think you'll probably start to see it happen in the next couple hours. If you, I would not be surprised if you saw agents – reaching out to Alan Green and the search firm trying to get their guys into the mix today. Because again, there aren't many known candidates left for this job. Uh, you've seen some, you know, some names that Zenas and I've heard over the last you know, 24 hours, uh, Brian Harson at Boise State, Neil Brown at West Virginia. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some of those names start to pop up as people try to push their guys into the mix because I mean, where else are they going to turn? Your your standards start to change if you if you get turned down or or things don't work out enough times. So definitely, this search is not done being interesting and, and being unpredictable. And uh, we will do our best over at AL.com to keep you guys up to date on it. Particularly these two gentlemen who join me here every Tuesday. Also, if you are not already uh, subscribed, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify under First Down South. We post this show there every week as a podcast if you just want to do audio format. Uh, so it'll be up there uh, later today once we get the uh, the episode updated. So subscribe on those two platforms too. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks, John and Matt. And I uh, hope you guys have a great holiday season with your family later this week. You too, Matt. My, uh, my hope for all of our sake is that the next time we do this show, we know who Auburn's head coach is. I think we all we all would love for this to be resolved by then. Yes. So we'll see.